Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Men's Advocate Show. Your host, Linda Gross. Today, we are going to be talking about science says the happiest couples have these following traits in common. So, do you know of any couples whose love you admire? Maybe their grandparents, neighbors, colleagues, or even your own parents. You know, those people with romantic relationships that have endured year after year, just making uh, you awe-inspired with regard to their deep caring, commitment, and they create a loving and lasting partnership, uh, you know, that is not so easy to find. Most people enter marriage fully expecting to share a life together, but in reality, 40 40 to 50% of those marriages are predicted to end in divorce. Now, long-term marriages aren't necessarily happy because people stay in unsatisfying relationships for a variety of reasons. It could be because of the children, finances, or religion. So the question then is not one of mere stability, but also one of quality. How do two people create and maintain a mutually happy relationship? What are the secrets to a successful marriage? That's what we're going to be talking about today. If you'd like to join in on this conversation, maybe you have a long-term relationship or maybe you know of one and you'd like to share a story or perhaps uh, you have some questions about this, you can call us at 951-922-3532. Again, that number is 951-922-3532. 3532. So let's take a look at some of these reasons as to what the research says on what what uh, environment, what uh, uh, what qualities create the happiest couples. So here's what they have found. What they say is don't fight over a text message. Yep. I mean, it sounds old school. It sounds reasonable, right? But people do, uh, like that very famous Carrie Bradshaw scene where her boyfriend uh, broke up with her on a post-it note. Well, today's modern-day version of that Sex in the City scene is breaking up with you or getting angry or whatever the story is over a text message. Don't don't resort to uh, the internet or cyber technology to do the dirty work for you. You got to do this in person. So anyway, what they're suggesting is don't fight over text. So there was a study out of Brigham Young University that showed that couples who argue over text, apologize over text, and or attempt to make decisions over text are less happy in relationships. That makes sense, right? Why why leave it to the internet when you should when you can and should be doing these things in person? It just strengthens your relationship rather than making you feel detached and removed from your partner. And let us add to to that by saying that the big stuff don't let an emoji take the place of your actual face i don't know about um about you guys but women hate emojis i mean it's just kind of like a cheap easy way to get out of a conversation by just throwing an emoji up there and expecting that all is good Uh, You know, it doesn't work in a dating situation, and it certainly doesn't work when you're in a relationship and or marriage. So throw out those texts, leave the important conversations, and do it face-to-face. All right, here's the next one. I know a lot of people are not going to like this, especially the ladies. Don't have kids. So it turns out that children are one of the most fulfilling parts of life. Unfortunately, they're a hell on relationships. So there have been numerous studies, including a recent study that surveyed over 5,000 people in long-term relationships that showed that childless couples, whether married or not, 
are the happiest. So this isn't to say that you can't be happy if you have kids. It's just to understand that it's not normal to feel happy sometimes. Many couples put pressure on themselves to feel perfectly fulfilled once they have what they've always wanted, which is a long-term partnership with children, including children. But the reality is, uh, the reality of kids is that they are very stressful on relationships. And just to add a note here, and I've talked about this before, when you first get married, don't have kids for two years. Get to know each other, travel together, eat together, play together, do similar activities together. Strengthen that relationship first before the kids come. Now, like the study says, you know, over 50% of marriages end in divorce. Here's how you can up the odds. If you wait two years to have a child, your odds are now 80% that you will have a successful relationship. Such an easy thing to do, right? Just take a little birth control for those two years, for goodness sake. Then that way only 20% of you will have a failed relationship. So I think it's something something to consider and something to do. Like just use birth control for two years. Come on. You can delay having the kids. All right. What else helps a relationship quite a bit? turns out that having friends who stayed married helps your marriage. So according to research out of Brown University, they say that it's 75% more likely to get divorced if a friend or a close relative has already divorced. So when it's some someone who is more than one degree of separation, let's say it's the friend of a friend, you're 33% more likely to get a divorce. So here's what researchers say about the results. Friends who support other couples' marriages were more likely to enhance the durability of their own marriage. It's that old birds of a feather flock together. You want to hang out with people who have similar interests and similar values as you do. So if, let's say, um, your family and their family, you vacation together, or there is some sort of ritual or some sort of event that you always go to, um, and you do this together, if you are supporting each other's families, it just strengthens your marriage because you're not all alone you know there's not only you to answer to but you really have you know uh, a handful of other couples or one couple or other couples that you have to answer to and that prospect is so hard that it makes you try to stay together and try to work things out it makes you more committed let's say all right so I like that one that that's a good one and I do find that one to be true All right, so there are psychologists like uh, Dr. Goldberg who suggest that our model for relationship is backwards, that we tend to expect things to go smoothly in the beginning and then we expect problems and conflicts to arise later on. But he says fight at the beginning of the relationship, not later on. And I think what he means by that is couples who do what it takes to uh, have those tough conversations. Maybe it turns into a fight. Maybe it doesn't. But let's say you're willing to have those tough conversations in the beginning of your marriage, that first year of marriage. Don't overlook these things. Your gut says, I'm upset. I don't want to deal with this. But that's the time to deal with it because the more you deal with it that first year, then over time, you know, those those t- types of fights and conflicts should go less and less because you respect your partner and you come to expect that you or your partner will bring up a tough issue early on before it snowballs into some disastrous event, right? So the more often you do it and the more likely that you do it in the beginning of your marriage, 
the better it is long term that you will, you know, stay together long term. Make sense? So a Florida study found that couples who are able to be openly angry in the beginning are happier long term. According to the lead researcher, the short-term discomfort of an angry but honest conversation is healthy for the relationship in the long haul. All right. So if you've just joined us, you're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Today we are talking about science. And science says that the happiest couples have the following traits. That's what we're going over. You, too, can call in on this topic, 951-922-3532. Again, that number is 951-922-3532. When we come back from the break, they, the re- researchers want you to know who does what when it comes to housework. We'll catch you right back after the break. Hey guys, do you have a nagging problem that you just can't get a handle on? Now you can talk to an expert coach right in the privacy of your own home. Meet in person, over the phone, or with a free Skype call anywhere in the world. Linda is here to make it easy for you. Linda Gross has done years of academic research combined with interviewing over 20,000 men. Linda's expert advice gets you through tackling relationship issues, business goals, conflict resolution, and removing lifetime roadblocks that have kept you back. Usually handled in four sessions or less realize the benefits now go to the men's advocate page slash coaching and you'll be on your way that's the men's slash coaching you've heard her on the men's advocate show with linda gross how can you help further from her facebook fan page of the same name hit the shop now button and save this link to your favorites make all your usual amazon purchases and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you no book purchase required just start with this link every time the men's advocate show with linda gross thanks you the men's advocate show with linda gross we will be discussing men's issues dating relationships sex women fitness health business men's hobbies men's rights and more she will be talking about excerpts from her men's book mastering women too. google kmet advocate and save to your favorites every wednesday at 3 p.m pacific time we proudly rejoin our programming with the men's advocate show with your host linda gross on KMET, 1490 AM, Smart Talk. Welcome back, everybody. You're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Today we are talking about the science um, that says that the happiest couples have the following traits in common. That's what we're talking about. Jump in on this topic, 951-922-3532. Again, that number is 951-922-3532. So according to a UCLA study, couples who agree to share chores at home are more likely to be happier in their relationships. So what they're recommending is know who does what when it comes to housework. Don't leave it a question mark. Don't leave it to flip-flop. Obviously, you're good at certain things. She's good at certain things. Figure out what those traits are. And that way, when everybody has their decided role, it's just clear-cut. You know, if one person likes to make the bed and the other one doesn't like to make the bed, if you leave it to chance, every day that bed is going to get unmade because no one's going to want to do it. So, um, for example, in my household, my husband is taller than I am. We have a king-size bed. It's just easier for him to make it. You know, I'm a little shorter, so I have to run back and forth and back and forth and back and forth across the bed to make the bed. It's it's way more effort than if he does it because of his height and his long reach. It's just easier. So let him do that. 
and I have kitchen duties because I'm kind of a clean freak and I want the kitchen a certain way. And when he comes in into the kitchen, he often spills things or uses a pot or a bowl size that's way too big for the for the task at hand. And it just, you know, it's just nonsense. So I like to do the kitchen. I give him the making the bed thing and we're all good. Now... You can do, take all the household chores and divide them up. I definitely recommend it, and I do agree with the with the study. So it goes on. The study goes on to say that an important caveat is that couples who have clearly defined responsibilities are far more likely to be satisfied. In other words, when you know what to do and what's expected of you, you tend to be happier both yourself and with your spouse. So this might be a good thing to sit down and discuss in the new year, especially if you're cohabiting uh, now or in the near, near future. Get this done. All right, next up on the list. Okay, this is an interesting one. The best relationships have one spouse who is a firstborn child and one spouse who is a last-born child. So what they're saying is don't marry the same birthing order because you're just going to end up fighting all the time. So if both of you are firstborns, it's less likely less likely to work. If both of you are lastborns, it's less likely to work. If both of you are middle children, it's less likely to work. So what they're saying is pick a relationship where the birth order is dissimilar and you'll have a better shot. Why is that? It's because you treat your parents and your family members in a different way based on your birth order. I mean, there have been many studies and books written on this, so why fight it? Go with the flow. All right, so there's an entire body of research on how your birth order impacts your life, including your relationships, as well as professional success. One of the happiest pairings for couples, someone who was the youngest child with someone who was the oldest child. I guess that's the, that's the best pairing that they like. So researchers hypothesize that this may be because the relationship has one person who enjoys being taken care of and the other person who's used to taking care of others. Okay, that makes sense to me. Next up, they, <laughs> they say that the best uh, pairings are if both of you are gay. Okay. Uh, in a recent study of 5,000 people, researchers found that gay couples are happier and more positive about their relationships than their heterosexual counterparts. Okay, so why is this? Because it's nature versus nurture thing. Um, you know, it's easier to get along with the same sex because you already know how they think and operate. Um, I think one of the biggest problems that couples have, heterosexual couples have, is that they assume that the opposite sex is going to think and act just like they do, which is fallacy. It's absolutely not true. They try to brainwash, brainwash us in the media, but it's absolutely not true. You both might start at point A, you both might want to get to point Z, but how you get there, how you navigate is completely different. So I do agree that it's just easier to get along with the same sex because there are more similarities and you can already uh, second guess how that person is going to act and think. So I agree with this. So they're saying that if you don't find a gay partner, then the next best thing to do if you're straight is to have one of the partners be a feminist. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know if I agree with this one, but okay, let's see what they make out of this. They're, they're saying that straight couples made less time for each other and were less likely to share common interests and communicate well. Well, I, I think it is true that they're less likely to communicate well because, you know, like I said, the sexes are different. So if you're going to be straight, 
you're better off being with a feminist. Now, some researchers out of Rutgers, Rutgers shows that both men and women with feminist partners are more satisfied in their heterosexual relationships. Hmm. I'd like to read more on that study because I'm not so sure I agree with that one. I don't think you have to be a feminist to be to get a to get along with somebody. Um, and there might be some negative traits that feminists have that are not really heterosexual friendly, shall we say. All right, so we'll hold that one in abeyance for a moment. Next up, if you are heterosexual, um, those couples that are comp comprised of a lovely lady and a not-so-lovely man work out the best. So I think what they're talking about here is levels of attractiveness uh, within the couples. Now, it's, uh, this topic has al always been a subject of debate, uh, not to mention many song lyrics. According to the study um, from social psychology, when husbands who view their wives as the more attractive of the pair, not only are they more satisfied in the relationships, but the wives are too. And the opposite was not true. When the husbands thought that they were better looking, they weren't as happy. So it's not for the reasons that they think. You know, the number one drive that men have is a female who is attractive. I mean, this isn't rocket, rocket science, right? I mean, that's just how it works. Men seek out women who are attractive. And oftentimes, they are way more attractive than they are. So the guy could be a six, but 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 uh, he is searching for a female who is an eight, nine, or ten. Okay, why is this? Because he is looking to you know better the species. He's looking for his offspring to be better looking, more fit, more healthy than he is. Okay, so attractiveness in a female uh, means a lot of things to a guy. It means that she would be fit to bear a child, that she would be healthy enough to bear a child, that either that neither uh, the mother or the child is going to die in childbirth because of certain situations. So, you know, if you have someone who is severely overweight, they're 100 pounds overweight, you know, Childbirth is kind of like running a marathon. You have to be cardioactive and healthy to push out that child. If you're 100 pounds overweight, you may not have the endurance to do so, and you may be putting the mother's uh, health and the child's health at risk. Okay, So that's why guys are deeming um, attractiveness very high on the, uh, on the scale. Number one for a guy, attractiveness. Now... For a girl, that's not true. <laughs> Most girls, okay, I know times have changed and, you know, a lot of girls today, young girls today are acting like men because I guess they decided that if you can't beat them, join them. Um, but biologically speaking, girls generally do not choose attractiveness as number one. Is it in the top ten? Sure. Is it number one? No. Because most girls are looking for first C. They're looking for someone to protect and provide. And the reason why that is, is Mother Nature in general made guys, in general, bigger, better, stronger, faster than we. And so we're looking for somebody who will protect us in a possible dangerous situation that they will help us out, help the women and children out of danger. So the number one trait that a woman looks for is personality. And when you define the personality even further, she's looking for a man with confidence. So you can be a six or a seven on the attractiveness scale, but if you have an abundance of confidence, the woman will most likely choose the guy with the confidence. Okay? So it's not the same for the sexes, and those are the reasons why. So according to the survey... You get, you get the woman who is attractive, and it's not important if the man is attractive or not. I concur. I think, I think that is a true statement. All right. Next up, they're saying that, um, oh, 
uh, yeah, let's let's hold this one for after the break. We're going to talk about being best friends and the ramification of that when we come back from the break if you've just joined us you're currently listening to the men's advocate show with me your host linda gross science says that the happiest couples have these traits in common that's what we're talking about today call us 951-922-3532 again that number is 951-922-3532 We'll catch you right back after the break. You've had a long day. You just want to escape the world, and you know just the place to do it. Round up your mates and head over to Henson Brewing Company, Burbank's premier craft brewery. Quality, complexity, and always easy to drink. We're open now. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Untapped. Henson Brewing Company, Burbank, California. Come as you are. Hi, guys. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show. Linda Gross wants you to know what turns a woman on and makes her go wild so she just can't help herself. Check out Linda's book, Mastering Women, Real Truth About Women That'll Change Your Life Forever. Linda gives you all the insider tips on how to catch a woman and, if you want, to keep her. In four easy steps, these proven techniques will make women just melt. Ever wonder why the girl you really liked seemed to be great when you met, then all of a sudden just goes cold on you and turns you off? Linda will also let you know what not to do on a date. Never blow it again by losing another hot woman. You don't have to be good looking or even have money. Her book, Mastering Women, is available in paperback and ebook. Men, Linda's on your side. So buy her book, Mastering Women. Buy it for now. And don't keep your women waiting another minute. Get Mastering Women today. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. Now back to the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross on KMET 1490 AM. Where men can be men. Welcome back, everybody. You're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Today we are talking about the science that says the happiest couples have these following traits in common. All right, so another one that made the list is the couples are best friends. So the National Bureau of Economic Research did a study demonstrating that marriage, on the whole, leads to increased levels of happiness. Perhaps more telling was the finding that people who consider their spouse to be their best friend are almost twice as satisfied in their marriages as other people. So maybe what's really important here is the friendship and to never forget that in the push and pull of daily life that you started out as friends and you remain friends and let let that be the guiding drive between between the two of you. Uh, I tend to agree with that. It's nice when, you know, you have a best friend as a spouse. How about your other friends, that comes into the picture as well. So couples who have lots of friends in common scored really well. So a couple of years ago, Facebook released a report that analyzed over 1.3 million of its users looking at relationships, among other things. So what they found was couples with overlapping social networks tended to be less likely to break up 
especially when the closeness in closeness included so social dispersion, which means that the introduction of one person's sphere to the other and vice versa. So in other words, the best case scenario is when each person has their own circle, but also there are circles that overlap between the two of them. So meaning that you have your own individual um, agendas and things that you like, and then you have other topics that um, you you do together. So that uh, independence versus interdependence comes into play, and it makes for a spicy relationship because when you're going off and doing things on your own, when you come back, it gives you an opportunity to reunite, tell your spouse about your day, how, how you spent it differently or away from the first spouse, and, you know, it just kind of spices things up. So having um, lots of friends um, in your social circles uh, was a good sign because, again, you have to be accountable to these friends. If, if, if you have nobody in your social circles, no family, and not very many friends, then it's kind of easy to break up or get a divorce with somebody. But if you have a lot of peer pressure, you have tons of cousins, and you have tons of family and friends, and, you know, just uh, going to the group get-togethers and the reunions and the holidays and all that kind of stuff is going to be so much more difficult now that the two of you are divorced. So a lot of times people will avoid those awkward situations and they work it out. You know, they just try harder. They work it out because it seems like not only are they accountable to each other, but they're accountable to all these uh, other people, friends, family, relatives, whatever. And um, that makes the, pers- the couple bond together a little bit stronger. All right. So what else uh, made the list? Well, how about you spend money in similar ways? Now, we all know that the two biggest things that couples fight over are sex and money. When it comes to the latter, it's well known to psychologists as well as social scientists that for some reason people tend to attract um, their spending opposite. Big spenders tend to attract thrifty people and vice versa. So University of Michigan study corroborated this. They found the, the researchers there found that both married and unmarried people tend to select their their money opposite and this causes strife in the relationship. So the happiest couples tend to spend money in a similar way when, if they're both savers or they're both indulgers, those are the couples that had the best shot of a successful and long-lasting relationship. I agree on that one. I, I, I do feel that when you're dissimilar, one person is spending thousands of dollars on his or her hobby or maybe, in her case, on shoes and clothing and whatever else, um, you know, it's a huge source of contention when the other person either wants to save for retirement or go on a vacation. It seems like you're never on the same page with regard to money issues. And, yeah, that's going to cause a lot of trouble in the bedroom. Okay. Speaking of the bedroom, they found that the happiest couples have sex at least once a week. Probably the best statistic of the bunch comes from a 2004 study which showed that upping your sexual activity from once a month to once a week can cause happiness. Um, It can cause the happiness levels to jump by as much as if you were to have made uh, uh, an increase, a salary increase of $50,000 a year. Wow, that's pretty striking. (laughs) I guess you better uh, brush up on your skills in the bedroom because um, that makes an awful lot of people happy. So the study entitled Money, Sex, and Happiness as an empirical study sampled over 16,000 adult Americans. One of its main conclusions, that sexual activity enters strongly and positively in the happiness equation 
uh, among the couples. All right, then. <laughs> okay. So what else is important? Well, celebrating each other's achievements. So anyone who has been in a relationship can attest to this one, but now there's research to confirm it. So in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, uh, that study showed that when couples celebrate their partner's accomplishments as if it were their own, they're more satisfied in the relationship. I agree with that. You know, why not celebrate your mate? Why not celebrate your spouse and enjoy their ups and downs and uh, enjoy their ups, I should say, and commiserate with their downs and be understanding with their downs? I think, you know, being empathetic like that definitely adds to the relationship and it bonds you closer. So we should be doing more of that rather than feeling jealous or rather than feeling that their accomplishment is so so when really it's you know superstar quality accomplishments i think you should recognize that and uplift your mate with regard to those good times so in good times uh and bad includes the good times so meaning that something um it can be easy uh something that it can be easy to forget and it's true there's nothing quite so satisfying as having your partner be loudly and enthusiastically in your corner when you do well i think i agree all right what else is up well practice mindfulness so let's say in a busy week, it's easy to half engage with your romantic partner as you push through to Friday, but try to resist the pull of your phone, computer, or long to-do list in your head. Research consistently shows that relationships are more satisfying when individuals practice mindfulness. So mindfulness is the art of giving attention to the moment. Being in the moment, shall we say. It's not an easy task, but it's a useful one. You might imagine that individuals on the receiving end of mindfulness could feel deeply valued, a feeling that would foster intimacy, trust, and connection. So, yeah, practice being in the moment. I, I agree. That's a good one. What else? Well, um Okay, so, well, I'm going to save this one for after the break, but if you've just joined us, you're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. We are currently talking about science that says the happiest couples have the following traits in common. When we come back from this break, we're going to talk about recommit to your partner, and not only that, do so every day. So call us on this topic, 951-922-3532. Again, that number is 951-922-3532. We'll catch you right back after the break. Hey, guys, do you have a nagging problem that you just can't get a handle on? Now you can talk to an expert coach right in the privacy of your own home. Meet in person, over the phone, or with a free Skype call anywhere in the world. Linda is here to make it easy for you. Linda Gross has done years of academic research combined with interviewing over 20,000 men. Linda's expert advice gets you through tackling relationship issues, business goals, conflict resolution, and removing lifetime roadblocks that have kept you back, usually handled in four sessions or less. Realize the benefits now. Go to the Men's Advocate page slash coaching and you'll be on your way. That's themensadvocate.com slash coaching. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. Darn! Maybe you missed part of this show. Maybe you're still at work during the show. Maybe you heard the show, but would like to listen again. Your problems are easily solved. Listen to any and all of Linda's archived shows at your convenience. Just Google SoundCloud, The Men's Advocate. That's Google SoundCloud, The Men's Advocate. The on-demand library is also available on the TuneIn app. Subscribe now and please share with your friends. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross on KMET 1490 AM, where men can be men. Welcome back, everybody. You're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show. We are talking today about science that says that the happiest couples have these traits in common. So another big one is to recommit every day. When people think of love, the emotional uh, components of passion and intimacy are often the first to come to mind. But commitment is actually the number one predictor of relationship satisfaction, especially in long-term relationships. So commitment is a cognitive choice, a decision that individuals make to be in a relationship. Couples who renew their commitments every day, both in words and deed, are situating themselves nicely for a long-lasting partnership. So if you've just joined our show and you do like it, show your love. Many ways to do so. You can listen, call, like our fan page, follow, comment, share, tell a friend, start with my Amazon link, download my app, and buy my book on Amazon. Yes, the book is Mastering Women, The Real Truth About Women That Will Change Your Life Forever. My men tell me that it's a, um, it's a, it's a Bible of information on women, any and all situations that you get into. It's in that book. You don't want to miss it. You want to be a confident person, and the book tells you how to get there. And easily, the tips are not obvious tips, but they're very easy to implement and very easy to be successful in your relationships. So don't miss it. Mastering Women on Amazon. And if you happen to have missed last week's show, we were talking about signs that she is just not that into you. So does she say, not now, maybe, you know, maybe some other time? Or does she take too long to answer a simple text? Does she never initiate a text to you? Does she flake at the last minute or want to bring her girlfriend on the date? So all of these tactics spell trouble. And we go over on we go over tips on how to sniff it out and beat this trap. So you won't want to miss that. You'll want to listen in, and you can do so easily by my free mobile app. Same name as the show, the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. Um, just Google that, and it should come up. It's available on all platforms. And in the event that you don't have my mobile app, you can also listen on. Tune in and SoundCloud. All right? Make that happen. Okay. So let's go back to today's topic. We're talking about um, the happiest couples. What traits do they have in common? Well, another one that's very effective is be playful. Sure. You know, adult life tends to emphasize productivity and seriousness, but sometimes it's about playing, too. So playful people take time to prioritize enjoyment, pleasure, amusement, and having fun. And such orientation in romantic relationships is predictive of satisfaction. This suggests that the possibility that that is at play could be an important dimension of a successful relationship. I wholeheartedly agree always keep your five-year-old self going you know you have to unplug some of the time you have to relax some of the time you have to get out of the the daily grind and it's so cool when you can go play in your sand play in the sandbox with your spouse make it happen all right another important factor was put work into the relationship the relationship isn't going to drive itself so In the 80s, 1980s, for example, relationship scholars identified relationship maintenance behaviors as critically important to sustain the health of a romantic uh, partnership. Recent 
recent research supports the idea that the individuals who actively work on their relationship help make those relationships happy and lasting. Now, the specific kinds of behaviors that reliably predict relationship success include expressing positive emotions, being open, giving uh, relational assurances, uh, using your social circle to support your relationship, and readily sharing the work and responsibilities that come with a long-term relationship. So, when when I see the term put work into the relationship, I, I'd rather replace that it, that term with put the fun into the relationship. You know, we all have things that we that are duties and things that we have to do, but go out of your way to find the things that are optional that you don't have to do, and that's what creates the fun in the relationship. It might be a simple gesture like going to buy the favorite flower that she likes or maybe bringing her a greeting card that puts a smile on her face, maybe a handwritten greeting card. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. It's just that you have put some thought into it. Maybe you know, the weather is particularly nice and you want to go down to the lake or down to the beach and have a little picnic. So it's those extra things that I consider optional activities that pull you out of the daily grind and put the spice back into your relationship that, you know, she's really going to remember because you're thoughtful. It's not all about... Um, doing the same old, same old every day, and it's not always about what you want to do, but you find activities that you both might want to do. All right, another trait that they're saying is to be successful is if it's not important, let it go. This is a good one. Uh, hard to do, <laughs> especially for us type A personalities, but it is a good one to do. So in a recent study, researchers asked a sample of divorcees why their marriages failed. Participants cited frequent arguing as a major contributor, second only to infidelity. So they described how an argument might start around something minor and then escalate into a major fight. So importantly, these arguments were not productive, supportive, or calm. Rather, people recalled significant negative emotions, finding ways to reduce the frequency of conflict by letting go of the little things could really add more happiness to a relationship. If conflict does occur, how a couple manages it may be predictive of the relationship success. So you have to you can't fight all the battles because then you're going to be viewed as someone who is always, you know, combative. So you have to, um, you know, you have to choose, pick and choose your battles. Go for the important ones. And uh, hopefully that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So when you do get to, a, you know, a conflict, best routine is to... Um, talk it out. I know a lot of couples, one of the one of the people want to talk and the other person just wants to run and hide and go in the cave or go shopping or whatever the deal is. But it's it really makes more sense to talk it out because couples who have strong communication skills really are the ones who outlast the rest. So Recent research suggests that couples benefit by being flexible in in how they anyway research um, suggests that couples benefit by being flexible in how they respond to conflicts when couples are navigating serious conflicts are secure in their relationship and have the ability to adapt their behaviors, being direct and oppositional can actually help more than other approaches. 
However, a more cooperative, affectionate approach may be the best strategy when someone tends to get defensive or when the conflict is minor. In other words, where there is no one-size-fits-all strategy, successful couples adapt their approach to a specific conflict as a function of the broader context. Um, what else is important? Well, it's important to um, show your love. So routines inevitably become part of the daily lives of a couple, while much research suggests yeah, suggests that trying something new and interesting uh, together can really, you know, can really boost your relationship. So try that out. Okay. Um, it's, it might be an important way by showing your love might be an important way for couples to keep that spark alive and maintaining the romantic side of a partnership can be done in other simple ways too. So give honest compliments. For example, research shows that compliments when they are understood to be sincere and meaningful can have a surprisingly potent benefit to relationship satisfaction. So these findings suggest that it's not just the big things that matter. Showing love through words and small gestures may be important too. So we all realize that relationships are uh, ever-changing and they Sometimes they're easy, and sometimes they can be uh, intensely complex. But the recipe for a successful marriage, uh, while it always isn't fully clear on why those relationships are successful, but but I think um, by doing some of these traits that we talked about uh, just a little bit earlier, I think they definitely do um, add to the relationships. Uh, just realize that the re sex, the successful relationships just don't happen. They emerge when two people are invested in their relationship and have the structural support, uh, meaning that they have good uh, ability to manage the the life stresses in their life, and they seem to do you know the best with it. So. Much of the research on relationship satisfaction and stability focuses on these predictors that we just talked about, which may or may not be casual forces. Uh, I'm sorry, causal, causal forces. As such, more research is needed to identify the exact role of critical interpersonal factors. Anyway, join us each and every Wednesday right here at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Men's Advocate Show. We'll see you next time.